Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it may be, wherever you are. My name is Craig Hagan, and you're listening to Raymond's Weekly Podcast. I'm here with Tony McKinnon. We call him T-Mac. He's the crawdaddy himself just getting back <laughs> from New Orleans, Louisiana. That had He had crawfish everything. Crawfish every way. Every way you can have crawfish, he had crawfish. Had, yep. Even crawfish with crawfish. Even crawfish with crawfish. Yeah, did and you? oysters, too. Yeah. So, you know, and beignets. And beignets. So, so he feels like he's Cajun. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're glad to, to be with you. Today is actually July 1st, the day we're recording our, our podcast. And we want to hear from you. If you'll just send us an email, podcast at rhema.org. And also like us on Instagram and Facebook. You know, it's just always wonderful to hear from our listeners, to hear how many people do like us. And few people don't like us, but that's okay. We love you anyway, because, you know, we have to love everyone, Tony. We do. Yeah. Those people that don't like us, we're, we're going to turn their numbers over and have them call for their car warranty. No. Yeah. Well, we're not spiritual enough for some people. Yeah. Well. But Jesus might not be spiritual enough for either. <laughs> yeah, Jesus may not be spiritual <laughs> enough for you either. Anyway, we like to have a good time on on the podcast. And, you know, it's you know it's our podcast. So, yeah. so we can say what we want to say. Yeah. You know, so, it's, you know, people always ask, you know, well, you know, you say this or whatever. Yeah, it's my podcast. I Say what I want to. So. Even in a whisper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, once again, we're, we're joined by uh, Reggie Knowles. He's one of our teachers here at Rama. And if you catch the, the last podcast, um, he was telling us um, his story. And um, Reggie came to Rama, was it 1983, you said? Right. 1983. After um, <laughs> he, he was a Miami Dade police officer. Actually, Miami Vice, yeah, Miami. Don Johnson. Yeah, the movie, yeah. it was, the whole series was based on Reggie's life. N- none of our cars were anywhere close to their cars. <laughs> yeah, this was this was the sixties and um, um well, no, it wasn't 60s. no, it was seventies and eighties, seventies and eighties. You know, whenever and in the cars do not look like a little more like Starsky and Hutch. I mean, some well, you- if you think about what they were doing undercover, I mean, how long would it take for their car to be burned? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of stood out. Interesting part of Reggie's pictures, he showed me pictures of of riots that they had. It almost looks like things happening today. I mean, it's just kind of yeah. interesting how back to the future we, we live. Yeah. But anyway, Reggie was, um, well, I'll let him tell his, his story, and we'll catch you up. We left him in Scott City, Kansas when we left on the last podcast. But tell us about the Miami-Dade Police Department when you worked there and what happened and how you ended up in Raymond. Well, it was all a God thing. No, I honestly, I, I came out of the military. I was in the MP unit uh, when I came out. And so my father was in law enforcement. So that was the only future that I really saw for myself mm. and uh, really enjoyed everything that I did. I was uh, after I was in uniform for a while, I transferred over to the detective bureau and did criminal investigations. Uh, that really turned out to be just a glorified paper pusher. Now, this is back when we didn't have computers and we had to write all of our reports and so there were times when we would have 60 assigned cases a month. Now, understand you only work 20 days a month, so we'd have 60 assigned. Those are cases that you have to do a follow-up report on. If it's a burglary, you have to contact all the people around with an eye shot of it and then put their names and information in the report. And So it really became just a big paper thing. And then we would have somewhere around 120 cases that were unassigned. 
And so it was nothing like what I thought it was going to be. I thought we'd really get some good investigative work, even though we had some really great cases, cleared up a lot of stuff and a lot of the hotel burglaries on Collins Avenue and things of that nature. Uh, but then I, I went into narcotics and did uh, organized crime undercover work. Uh, did that for a year until my cover was pretty much uh, not safe anymore. And so then I transferred back to what I liked doing the most, and that was uniform division. And uh, I worked in Liberty City, which I really enjoyed it because it was real police work. I mean, it wasn't barking dogs and sprinklers hitting my house and things of that nature. It was more uh, crime-related. Really, really great people in that city. They actually city. made a game about that, Grand yeah. Theft Auto, Liberty City. Oh, yeah. I don't know about the game part, uh, but I do know that there were some really great people in that city, and, and they were victims of crimes as well, and so re really enjoyed uh, all that I did there. Uh, I have a tremendous respect for all my brothers and sisters that are still in law enforcement and the work that they do. We, we owe them a great debt of gratitude. Yes. So thankful that they, they do hold the line for us and that as we sleep, we sleep under the protection of, of their work. And so really grateful to them that they still do what they do. Uh, but as I said in the, in the last podcast, the Lord got my attention uh, and uh, I got to hear about uh, the word of faith message. I grew up in a denomination, so most of the teaching that we got was typical straight line um, three-quarter gospel messages. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I love my pastor. He's great. Uh, he's a great example. We used to go out and do visitation together. And uh, he, he visited me when I was, you know, um, in the hospital. Surgeries back in those days. I had two back surgeries. Each back surgery was a 30-day stay in the hospital, not like it is today where you get it done and yeah. check out the next day. And so, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time with me there in, in the hospital. And we, we developed a really good relationship. As a matter of fact, I, I took him on two ride-alongs with me. <laughs> because he wanted to see what it was like. And then on the third one, he goes, I, I don't think I can do that again. <laughs> so, you know, it was pretty bad when you tell him, you know, stay in the car. If anybody comes in the car, push this button, take this shotgun out. You know, <laughs> so he, it, it was a lot of fun. But I just loved that work. I loved, the best part I loved is I loved helping people. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just lo sometimes would help them when they didn't want our help. We give them free lodging and things like that. But. Yeah, I had a judge in my last church, and and he called them his customers. Yeah, <laughs> clients. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, to kind of make a long story short, too, too late. Uh, we came out to Rama. We kind of spied out the land. Really liked what we saw. When I was seeking for a Bible college, I was really seeking for a place that did not have the academics. I wanted to learn the Word of God. And, and this was the, the perfect place for me. I just, I love so much how Brother Hagen would teach. I mean, it was just down to earth. We, we understood everything that he was saying. Uh, it just made the scriptures come alive. I, I was a pain in my, my other pastor's back probably because I would ask him simple questions. Well, the, the Bible says that a, a house divided against itself can't stand. I said, so if God gives you healing and then he if he gives you healing and he makes you sick too, isn't that a house divided against itself? And so I'd ask him questions like that. And of course, Brother Hagin would give you the exact answer for that and what the scripture said. And he taught us to be people who held dear to the word of God. That's what we do. It, if it's not in the word, it's not part of us. You know, his famous line was, what does a word say? Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was really a great time. 
we ended up in, in Scott City, as we said before, and uh, we were there for three years. And uh, I got a call from Pastor Hagen. Well, first, let me just say this. Uh, my beautiful bride, when we were in Scott City, she would always tell us, tell me, she says, you know, I know that we're going to go back to Raymond. You're going to be a teacher there. And I would say, that's what every student thinks they want to do is go back and be a teacher at Raymond. I said, I don't know about that. She goes, no, I'm telling you that we go on these walks in the afternoon. And she would tell me that. And sure enough, uh, when we, we came down, we came to an event and then we had to go to Oklahoma City. We had a dentist there that we went to and pastor asked us to come up to the office. And uh, we didn't go up to the office because we had to make our dental appointment. And so when I got back to Scott City, he called me and says, I thought you were coming by the office. And I said, well, you know, and I explained what we had to do. And he says, OK, well, I, I need you to come down. I need to talk to you. And so we came back and. He talked to us and he said, I really feel like you're supposed to be back. We need you to help Tony Cook over in the alumni office. And so we really didn't need to pray about it. But, you know, we did that simple Christian response. I'll pray about it. And uh, so it wasn't long after that that we employed Craig and the moving crew to come up and move us back to to Oklahoma. And uh, we served in the alumni department with uh, Pastor Cook. Uh, I was uh, they gave me a title of director of special services. It kind of scared me because I wondered, what do we do that's not special? <laughs> so uh, it, one of the many functions that I had was ministerial opportunities. And, of course, back then, uh, you know, now we have ministerial opportunities They're on the computer. Online. They just go on and get it. You know, back then, secretary had to stand at the copy machine, copy the opportunity front and back, do 10 of them. That's all we would do. And then we'd send them out. And it, it took a long time to get Brother Tony to uh, get into the computer arena. Uh, but eventually we did, and we were able to computerize the department and made it really well. I can remember when they were in three big, big three ring binders. Yeah, you go there, and you could, you could, uh, they let you look at it. You could check it out, and go across the hall, and sit down in the classroom, and look through it. Right. Well, yeah. we had a big bulletin board, a, a map of the United States up there, and we would put color coded mm -hmm. pins for the position that was up there, so they could look and then come and get us. It, so it, it was a great opportunity for us to to do a lot of things. Uh, we had. Uh, maybe maybe 10 pastoral positions, and one of them was in a particular state that had been there for 12 years, and they had five members, and, you know, it, they just couldn't get any interest in, in, in their church. Uh, and so we would have people come in, and, and they would look at that. And what we had is we had probably 30 or 40 pastors looking for two or three positions. And so I, I got with, with uh, Tony and everything. I said, we got to need to develop some type of pioneering program instead of everybody just looking to take over a church. We need to start pioneering churches. And that's where we came up the idea with the book Pioneering Strategies that we put together and, and got out there, and we really started that pioneer effort. So it was really fun to be a part of that. Uh, but the ministerial opportunities part of it really uh, was an area where people come with a lot of decisions. They need direction in their life. Uh, where do I go? And it, it's always, you know, every student here is trained to do whatever God calls you to do. And so I'd say, okay, so w where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Well, we'll go anywhere. We, we just want to do what God wants to do. I said, well, we have a church in Alaska. And they say, uh, I'm not feeling anything for Alaska. <laughs> and I said, okay, that, that's one down. Uh, you know, what about Oregon? No, no. So I would put it in quarter. And what we would do is I would take them through a process of elimination uh, to help them find a, a geographical area that they had an inclination for. And so uh, as we were there, I really got the opportunity to, to literally counsel 
or coach uh, over just literally hundreds over the years that I was here of of ministers uh, and also work with churches and their placement processes. And one of the things that I, I, I took everybody to is the really what I believe is the only example in the Bible for decision making. And that's first Samuel chapter 16. It's when Samuel went to anoint David as king and the Lord sends him there. And uh, he says, when you get there, I'll tell you who to anoint. So he didn't tell him. He just knows he's going to Jesse's house. And that's so much how God leads. He'll give us one step and then he's not going to say anything until you do that one thing. Yeah. Uh, so many times people are saying, well, what will we do then? Well, it's going to be silent until you do that. And so uh, what we, what he did is he went there, and when he got there, uh, he Eliab came before him, the first, first son. And he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And he went to anoint him, and the Lord said, no, I've rejected him. And so then the Lord told him, he goes, I don't look on the height of his statue. I don't look at his outward appearance. He says, I look on the heart. Well, we as men... We can't look on the heart. And so the only way we can know what the heart might be is to get it from God. And so then he went to Abinadab and he said no to Abinadab. Then he went to Shammah and he said no to Shammah. And so he went through all seven sons and he got a no on every one of them. And then he asked Jesse, he says, are there any other sons? And they said, well, we have David. He's out in the field. So David is not even worthy to eat dinner with them. I mean, he's out in the field, tending sheep, wasn't even invited. You kind of wonder, did he have to take a shower before he came in? But anyway, he comes in. As soon as he walks through the door, the Lord says, arise, anoint him. He's the one. Now, what we take away from that is when we look at how that process actually happened, and I call it the decision-making process, is he only, and, and it's important, you need to write this down. He only looked at one son at a time. He never proceeded to another one until he had direction on the one before him. And he never reconsidered one that he already got direction on. Mm, That's good. So Paul tells us that men comparing themselves among themselves is unwise. So really, when you think about comparison, there's nothing good about comparison because it's always going to put one down and lift one up. And, And so when we understand that, what happens in the decision-making process, whether it's a job, whether it's a promotion, whether it's moving to another city, selling a house, whatever that decision is, we are to only look at one thing at a time. Now, traditionally what we do, if we have two offers for a job. We look at this offer, we look at that offer, and we compare the two and say, which one's better? Comparison. What we're not doing is we're not seeking the direction of the Lord as to which one's best for us. Now, we know one can look great. We know the other one can look great. But is it really the best one for us? Now, with that also comes distractions. At least in my life, every time I've made a major decision for the Lord, there was always a distraction that was present. When I left here to go to the pastor of church in Kansas, I had a guy that I was working for that was in the maintenance business. We cleaned over 2 million square feet of office space a night. And so he was wanting to get away from the direct management of it. I was in charge of that. We had 88 employees. And, uh, you know, it it was a good job. He paid me better than what I was making in my previous career. So I came to him and I told him that, you know, hey, look, uh, we got this opportunity in, in Kansas. And 
So we're going to be going there to pastor a church. And he goes, no, you, you can't do that. You, you just can't leave me. We just, I just got you where I want you to be. I could actually take my wife on a cruise and know that the company's okay. You can't do this to me. And I, I said, I'm sorry, man. This is what we got to do. He goes, well, wait, wait. He goes, I'll double your salary. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Now, I, I'm, I'm already making more money than I made in my previous career. And he's going to double my salary. And I said, oh, man. He goes, no, no, don't make a decision yet. He said, you can go to any car lot anywhere in the city and pick out your company car. And I go, what are you doing to me? You're, you're killing me here. I'd be he, thinking, why ain't you been doing that all, all the other? <laughs> and, and so that... And so then he goes, no, no, wait. He said, you know, I, I'm, I, you have no limitation on your expense account. And don't, well, just wait. I'll hire a housekeeper for Tina. Now, you just really put me in a bad situation. Now, my wife, I, we've been married for 52 years. I've known her since the third grade. And what a blessing this would be for her. And so uh, before I could ever even think about what came out of his mouth, I said, you're asking me to choose between man and God. Now, right after I said that, I was thinking, what did you just say? And so now I had to ride all the way home and figure out how I was going to explain this decision to my wife, who wasn't really keen about going to cattle country, depending on where the wind was blowing. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, you mean it smelled really good, right? <laughs> yeah, it has a great fragrance of prosperity for the cattlemen. Yeah. And so... Uh, so that that distraction was there when when we when when we came back I mean you know it was basically a, a little bit easier transition for us uh but there was still a distraction there and that was it came in the form you know when you're in a small town it takes you a long time to build any kind of rapport with the city and uh so the high school's graduating and they asked me to do the baccalaureate to do the baccalaureate in a city like that is put your church on the map. And so I did that. And boy, the following Sunday, I mean, we had all kinds of people coming and I'm thinking, wow, I'm giving this up. What am I doing here? And so, but that was an easier decision because it was something I really felt in my heart that I wanted to do is I, I did want to come back and I wanted to be a part of what we were doing here. Uh, so then comes the time when we are, uh, we're here, we're working here, we've been here for nine years, and uh, we're having an RMAI luncheon. It, we had, it was Winter Bible Seminar, we were having an RMAI luncheon. We were sitting in the section that's no longer there, right inside the West Doors. And I was on the back row, and I had all the regional directors right there because we're getting ready to take them out and put them on a bus. And uh, while I'm sitting there, Brother Hagin's finishing up his message, and he says, there's some here that's going to leave their ministry. Now, Cliff will remember this. Going to leave their ministry and go and pioneer a church for the end-time harvest. He said that three times. And the third time that he said it, I turned to Tina because I heard something in my heart that says, this will be your last year here. You're going to Florida to pioneer church. And so I turned to Tina, and I said, I said, did you hear that? She goes, yeah. And I said, no, no, did you hear that? And she says, yeah, because I wanted to make sure she wasn't hearing what Brother Hagin said three times. And so she says, yeah, we're going back to Florida to pioneer a church. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So so a, a little bit later, I'll, I'll get Cliff in here in just a second. He probably won't remember it. But uh, 
So, so I take the guys out and everything, and then I, I do that thing that was so terrible. I had to put that resignation letter together to give the pastor because I wanted to give him plenty of time to cover my classes because I had, uh, well, I had, actually had 21 classes because we taught Double. All, we, we, yeah, four times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were teaching every class four times a year. And so uh, I wanted to give them plenty of time to replace me for that, which shouldn't be too hard. And uh, so I, I go up there, and on the way up there, I got my, my resignation letter in my hand, and I go up there, and I, I told the Lord, I said, now, it, pastor is my pastor. If he asks me to stay, I want you to know I'm not going. So I go up to his office, and say, hey, pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure, come in. I hand him my resignation letter, and I sit down, and he reads it. And as he's reading it, he's shaking his head no. And he says... I've talked to him about this before. He doesn't remember it, but that's okay. I do. So he says, he says, oh man, I, I didn't, you're not really going to go, are you? I said, I just really feel that's like what we got to do, pastor. And he goes, what if? And then he stopped and he goes, no, you've already got your start date down, what you're going to do and everything else. He goes, man, I just really thought you were going to be with me for the long haul. And I said, Pastor, I've been here nine years. And he says, has it been that long already? I said, yeah. And so, but he never asked me to stay. And so that was, I feel like that was really my my distraction there is because I he's my pastor. I don't, this is Reggie Knoll speaking. I don't believe God usurps the chain of command. I believe that he talks to the pastor even before he talks to me. May not be in, in articulate words, but it's in his spirit that he knows that it bears witness with him. And so, uh so when I get to Florida, we pioneered the church. We did really good there. We had uh, actually had a daycare, had a school, uh, had 21 employees. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I, I loved loved every bit of it. Uh, but then there comes a time when the vision's not there anymore. You know, you just come up against that wall. And so, but one of the things I was talking about, Cliff, is I called Cliff. I said, Cliff, I need you to get me a copy of that service unedited because I wanted a copy of that that message. I, I wanted brother Hagen to be there. I, I, I wanted that. And so he sent it to me and it's on, it, it's, it was the unedited version. I mean, it had the closing, had everything, the announcements at the end after brother Hagen had everything in it. He never said that. <laughs> <laughs> never said that. He never said some of you are going to leave here to go pine. He never said, he didn't say it three times. He didn't say it at all. Which got me to thinking when we go to the book of Acts chapter two, it said they heard them speak in their own native language. It did not say they spoke in their own native language. And so I always tell the students, I said, you need to understand something when you're in this class, there's someone between me and you that's going to cause you to hear what you need not necessarily what I say. Now you pastored and you know that you had yeah. people come up to you, Tony, and tell you, man, what you said, so-and-so that, that just blessed me. And you go, I don't remember saying that. Mm-hmm. Well, that bugged me so much. I'd go get the tape and I'd listen to the tape. And I was right. I never said that, but they heard it. Yeah. And that's because the spirit of God takes what we do say. And then he translates that to what they hear. And so I, I resigned my church, turned the church over to my associate pastor. And we, we left and we, we went up to Maryland with a group of people that really wanted to start a church up there. And uh, we were up there for a, a while, a couple of months. And then my, my mother's husband passed away, and we went down to Texas to spend a couple of months with her to get her resettled. And uh, then on the way back, 
you know, pastor realized that we were in town. He saw us in church. And so he asked me, you know, let's go to lunch. And so we, we went to lunch and, uh, that's when my pastor, Pastor Kenneth W. Hagen, who is still my pastor, that's when he said, what are you doing starting a church in Maryland? And I said, well, it just, just kind of, we're just checking it out as what we, what we kind of feel like we're going to do. And he says, you don't need to be starting a church in Maryland. And so, I, you know, we're like, okay, yeah, well, thank you. And we continued on with the conversation. Well, on the way back to Maryland, by the time we got to Maryland, we weren't starting a church in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So I say that because here's another distraction. But we have to understand that when we look at all the ones that God said no to, you have to understand that no is direction. We had to eliminate what we thought in our heart before we could be 100% focused on what God had for us. And so when we went to Maryland, it was a process of elimination to get that no so that we could move to what God had for us. And so, yes, when we're looking for uh, those decisions, we want to focus on one thing, not two. And James chapter one, it tells us, you know, that if we're double-minded, we'll not receive anything from the Lord. Well, doubt is not unbelief. Doubt is a root word of double. And all doubt means is judging between two. Lord, should I sell my house or should I stay in it? Lord, should we move or should we go? Lord, should I take this job or that job? Every one of those are being double-minded mm. because we're not looking at one thing. We're looking at more than one thing. And so direction comes when we're single-minded, when we're focused 100% on what we're asking direction for. Now, God won't always say yes, but if it's a no, he will always tell you no. Well, you know, my grandfather always would say that sometimes he went as, as much by what he did say or didn't say, didn't as, say yeah. as, as what he did say, you know. And um, also t- sometimes, you know, it, it is interesting in the, the day and age that we live in that we are motivated by money, by happiness or wh- whatever. I remember my grandfather talking about that there was a church that they were, um, they really felt led that they were supposed to go take. You know, but it was a smaller parsonage. There was less people. There were all kinds of things. But, you know, for whatever reason, they both had the peace. You know, and I'd rather live with the peace of God, you know, than, than, a, than a, a fat wallet because that wallet probably won't be that fat for very long. And, you know, nobody wants to be miserable in life. And I think a lot of times that, you know, there might be some sacrifice, you know, immediately, but, but then it always pays off in the end mm-hmm. to follow God's plan and purpose. You know, I don't know how many people I've talked to, you know, to that when they came to be a student at Raymond Bible Training College, they talked about, well, you know, I had a good job. I was, I was making good money. I came here and I couldn't find a job or I couldn't find a job that worked with my school schedule. And I, and I took what I could find and, and it was a sacrifice, but you know, 10 years later, that sacrifice was worth everything because during that time they learned to 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 live by faith and and to and to believe God and and because of that it, it helped them you know in in life and, you know and it's just some sometimes that, that we are we're trying to figure out what is God's plan what I mean what what is the next step and maybe the next step is find out more about the word so we can actually figure out God's plan for our life. And maybe Rhema Bible Training College is the next step for your life. And we would love to have you here as a student at Rhema. Go to rbtc.org 
and give us your information and give us your phone number, your email, and we'll have one of our student ambassadors give you a call, talk to you more about Raymond, and we would love to maybe in the fall or January have you as a student here. And I think that's one of the most important things that we do. Um, you know, I mean, I do a lot, but I think one of my most favorite things is is, is to pouring out, yeah. you know, you know, our heart and, yeah. and our knowledge into these young people, you know, that are so on fire for God. And I, and I believe that I, I'll, I'll put today's students up against any students yes, of yeah. any point and of any year, because I, I think that there's an urgency right now. And, yeah. and, and maybe it's really biblical coming back, you know, over in Acts where it says that, that God will pour his spirit upon all flesh. And it talks about young men and young women and your sons and your daughters. And, and I believe that, that, you know, that we are living in those last days. And it just seems like, like God's bringing some people that are, that are just on fire for God. And they just want to do something, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's just such a, a wonderful thing to be able to pour out our knowledge, you know, you know, during, you know, you know teaching them and, you know, and, and it's also awesome to, to see as they start going out and start doing things, you know, I mean, you know, we're old enough to say, Hey man, we're, we're proud of, of, <laughs> of, of, of these, these yeah. people. And, and now Reggie's had a, you know, unique thing, you know, because he, he taught for a while and th- then went pastor and then came back and, and taught again, you know. And so, so what do you think is the difference between the students now and the students then? And, you know, well, I think Tony and I were talking a little earlier about the fact that many times we would all take pictures of uh, what I call judgment day when the students are taking their final exams. Yeah, I've seen that on Facebook. And a lot of times some of the comments are from the alumni that say, boy, look how they're dressed and look at this and everything else. Uh, or or they may even make a comment, well, it's not like it used to be. No, it's not like it used to be. It's better. But we we all feel like that the year that we went to Rama, and it is a life-changing experience. I, I, I don't know how anybody can can leave here not realizing the change that takes place yeah. in the two years or three years that they're here, some four or five. Uh, but the most important thing that they can take away from this is that it is the best decision that you can make in your life. And, and let me help you with that prayer. Lord, should I go to Rama and learn more about you? And I think when we say it in that context, it's an easy answer for us because that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn more and more and more about God. And the difference is the enthusiasm of these students we have now is over the top compared to when I went to school. I mean, these kids are on fire. I call every one of them world changers yeah. because they will change their world. And it is interesting how, how what you were talking about earlier is same scripture now that, you know, the man looks on outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so, you know, talking about some of our older grad, graduates looking up, well, look how they're dressed or look at this, or we, 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 we didn't wear it you know, this way, but understand when you came to school, you know, I mean, the world's changed a lot in, you know, the, and, and I always, I always say that you cannot win an MP3 generation dressing like a cassette tape. You know, or, or act like a cassette tape, you know, you know, and we say the word cassette tape and people are like, what's a cassette tape? Uh, what's a VHS? And 
Betamax? Beta, yeah. <laughs> Betamax. A-track, four-track. What, what, what is a Betamax? A-track tape and all these, you know, you know things that, that are commonplace in our language and, and commonplace. I mean, there wasn't a home one, you know, at one point in time with, without a VHS, you know, recorder and, and tape player. I mean, that, you know, I mean, we would have to go to the, the blockbuster to rent a movie. What's a blockbuster? You know, and some, you know, or some some other move to heaven. It's now Godbuster. Yeah. So I mean, you know, there, there's so, so many, so much has has changed, um, and I also believe so many more distractions. I talk about distractions. Um, you know, when I was young, we had like three three channels. <laughs> there wasn't much on those three channels, and they went off at, at midnight or, or even before you. Know, and you know. The interesting part about it is before they go off, you know what they would do? They play the national anthem. anthem. Yeah, you know, and, and for some people now, I mean, that's that's a sin to play the national mm-hmm. anthem. You know, which, which it really makes me mad. You know, and you can hear. Um, Make me put my PJs over my head. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> but anyway, so today we, we live in a world where we have unlimited channels, and besides, if you don't like anything that's on, then and you can go to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or find something on, you know somewhere or you're going online or you're doing this or you're doing that. And, and I think sometimes God's like, Hey, um, you have time for me, yeah. you know, you know, you know, besides that, you, then you have video games and you have all these, I mean, talk about distractions, you know, and, and that's, what's even amazing about our young students, you know, you know, our younger students that are on so much on fire for God, because despite of all this distractions that they have, that they're here and, 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 and they're listening and, and, and they're, they're engaging you know, because they believe and they feel that God has a call and a purpose for their life, and, and you know, and they want to fulfill that. And I think it's, you know, important. And um, you know, I wish that all of us maybe would would be as much on fire as some of some of the students. Oh yeah, have, yeah. You know, and, and your dad was right. What do you say? I came back. And he came back. Yeah. And I'm here for the long haul. You're here for yeah. the long haul. That's right. So he had it all along. We just didn't know about that little in between yeah well and that's the thing we, we try to we always try to figure out god's plan and you know sometimes we just gotta let, let god be god in our life and and um you know it, it is there are some people that are here for the long haul and there's some people that are not and there are some people that come and go and come back and go and come back <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I'm, i was talking about doug jones by the way but um anyway it's um, um and, and we are going to get Doug Jones on the podcast, so please, um, you know, if, um, email Doug and say D Jones at Yeah, and say we would love to have you on the podcast because Doug's actually denied us. He turned me down flat. He turned us down. Tried to get Doug on the podcast, and you know, he's like, "No, I don't do podcasts." So D Jones at Rayma.org. You need to email Doug today and tell him please go on the Rayma yeah. podcast. We want to hear from you. Yeah, I see. You, you know, because you know. So, I mean, it, it is. He has a lot to say. He can't hear from God for himself. So be be the Holy Ghost for Doug today and email him. <laughs> but it is interesting, Reggie. I mean, all, all the things you've gone through and then, you know, the dramatic story. I mean, if you haven't listened to the last podcast, yeah, you, you, you need to hear that. I mean, um, about the, the car wreck. And, and, I mean, it was, I mean, it, it left us speechless. Yeah. You know, um, but I think it's also interesting what you're talking about and ever being anointed king. Like I said, he, he, he looked at one. And until until that one was not there, then that's when we moved on. And so, so many of us were, were were so distracted, or or were so so sure. Well, this has to be the one. And some of us make the you know we make the wrong choice because because we want that to be the right one. 
you know, and, and so there's a lot of people who have gotten themselves in trouble because even though it wasn't God's choice, we wanted it to be God's choice because you know what? It's a whole lot nicer to live on the beach than, um, you know, in the middle of Africa, you know, but if God called you to be in the middle of Africa, you know, it doesn't matter. I've talked to people and I'm thinking I wouldn't want to live where they do it. And, 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 and they're, they're, as hap- they're so happy yeah. to be, to be there because, because they're where God has called them. To there to you be. go. Right. You know, um, you know, if I had my brothers, I'd be living on the beach, you know, too. Not homeless on the beach, by the way, you know, but I, but I live in the middle of Oklahoma and it's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Now, Tony tries to go to the beach all the time. Every chance he gets. Every chance he gets, and I don't get that opportunity as much. But. Yeah, sometimes you need a little bit more salt in your diet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So anything else you want to want to tell us, Reggie, you know, you know, before we close here to, to, today? Well, I, I would amplify what you said. Uh, Rama is a school for everybody. I mean, regardless of what your age is. Uh, I, I think about our seniors out there, how many of them are – in, in gated communities, maybe limited activity, maybe they've lost their zeal for what they used to do. Maybe some of them have even got to the point in life to where they didn't accomplish what they thought they would accomplish. Why not come to Rama and sit under the word and the teaching for a couple of years to find out that God's not finished with you? Amen. Yeah. Well, Amen. Well, well Miss Birdie, she was here for seven or eight years. Seven, yeah. I think. Seven, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and I mean, you know, she she just enjoyed it kept coming over and over and over again amen well if you want to find more information about rainbow training college rbtc.org go to rbtc.org we have plenty of information you know there on the website but please once you go there give us your name give us your phone number and we want to have one of our representatives give you a call and talk to you more about rainbow and maybe try to set up a time to, to come and visit campus um you know and if you're ready to come, September 1, we're taking applications right now. You can apply right now. Because, you know, sometimes around July, people say, oh, it's too late to apply. There's no there's no way I can't go. Yes, you can. In fact, some people have even came in September and said, well, you know, last minute they decided. Registration to, day. Yeah, registration day. You, you know what? And, and we want to make sure that you that you, that you you can get in. So, so um, now's the time, rbtc.org. Well, thank you, Reggie, for, for coming in and and talking to us, and, and like I said, if, if you become a student at Rainbow Training College, you'll have a number of Reggie's classes. Yeah, and he has a story every day. And yeah, yes. Start every class with a story, you yeah. bet. Yes. He's known for stories. All right. Well, you know, thank you guys for, for listening. Thank you guys for reaching out to us. And once again, if you want to, send us an email um, at podcast at rainbow.org and also like us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, here at Rama, we're bringing hope, hope help, help, and, and healing, healing to, to the, the world. world. God bless you guys, and you have a wonderful day.